God, this is, this is simply our prayer. This is simply our declaration. Right now, church family, is the moment for you to go ahead and fill our chat with your requests. Right now is the moment. If you have something within your heart that you need God to, 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 to just handle for you, he's capable of doing that. He's capable. He's more than capable. His arms are wide enough for anything you throw his way. And so right now, if you want to, if you want to share a request in the chat, go ahead and share it. Um, if you want to go ahead and privately message us on our Instagram, direct messages, you can do that as well. But we want to take some time right here now to pray with you, to pray for you, for us all together to realize the amazing and perfect and wonderful God that it is whom we serve, who who we build our life on, who can handle anything of our life that, that we go through. He's capable of it all and more. And he's also capable to shatter any expectation we could ever have. He's just that good. Let's pray, bow your heads with me, eyes closed. Father, in heaven, we thank you that you can handle anything we throw your way. We thank you that you are, in fact, the firm foundation that we can build our life on. And yes, this is our declaration as well, that we trust you. We trust you. We trust you with everything that we have. For there is no better hands that we could possibly be in than yours. There is no better plan that we could possibly have for ourselves. Yours is always going to be the best. And we thank you that, God, you have a specific plan for each and every one of us. You have a specific blessing for each and every one of us. You have a specific miracle in mind for each and every one of us. And so, God, our hearts are heavy this morning. We're asking simply that you pour out a blessing. We're asking simply, oh God, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, whatever situation we find ourselves in, that we're trusting that you are more than capable to see us through, oh God, stir our hearts in such a way where we can't help but trust you completely. Here we are now, oh God, surrendering it all to you. with everything that we have and everything that we are. Send your spirit within. Thank you, oh God, for hearing our prayer. There are so many declarations, so many requests, oh God, that we have. So many people that need just a glimpse of you. We pray specific prayers over everyone who is watching this here and now. God, move is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen and amen. I will build my life upon your love. Perfect, perfect place to build your life on right there, on perfect love, on he that is 
Perfect. Uh, Reload family, it is an exciting time to be with you again, um, but this time on the flip side of things, to preach a word. And I always get excited to preach a word here at Relove because I know full and well that I'm preaching um, with family now at this point. Um, it is an honor and it is a privilege always to break bread with family. And now because we're family, you know, I'm a little bit more comfortable uh, with family. Not too comfortable, but comfortable enough. Um, to where, you know, like when, when you're talking to someone who you're unfamiliar with, Braylon, you know, like they get a sense of who you are, but they don't like know you. You know what I mean? They don't like know you. You're not at the point yet where um, you can deal with that person's annoyance, right? Because like they're, they're unfamiliar, you know what I mean? It's just like surface level stuff, but now that you're familiar with this person, there is a, a level to which you tolerate some things because you know, oh, that's just who he is. So I hope and pray that you just tolerate with me just a little bit as I can get passionate. And I mean, you guys have seen this through worship and things like that. If I move around a little bit more than Pastor Seth, it's simply because I'm with family. It's simply because I'm in a familiar place where I can be myself and, um, I'm excited to bring this word today because we find ourselves in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 3. But really quickly, right before we tackle scripture, I just want to say congratulations. We find ourselves at the end of our 21-day slowdown journey. Now, if you have been with us the whole time through the first 21 days of 2021, you're going to definitely get into heaven. No, just joking. Um, we, 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 are, we are really, seriously, really excited that you followed us through all 21 days. It's really important for us um, to realize the importance of slowing down and realizing the importance of what God has us in a specific space where we dedicate our time specifically just to him. Um, there is a holy ground moment that happens when you dedicate that entire space of time, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, we pray that it's 30 minutes or more, but wh whatever amount of time it is that you have dedicated towards him, um, there, there will be a closeness to him, and we'll tackle this in scripture as well, there will be a closeness to him like never before, like never before. Slowing down is so crucial in our walk with God and our faith towards him and uh, we pray that you are definitely blessed we pray and hope that you are definitely blessed through our 21 day slow down journey now if you didn't join us for the first 21 days it's not too late you can go ahead and go to our YouTube page you can go ahead and also sign up at our church website to join us with our 21 day slow down journey it's been amazing 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 and we finally come to the end of it but listen if you haven't joined us us, it's not too late. You can experience some slowdown with us. I said in a previous devotional in that 21 day slowdown journey video session, I said it's a chance for us to press pause on life and press play to his peace. And that is so crucial. That is so, so crucial sometimes in the busyness and the chaos and the craziness of life for us to just go ahead and push pause on it and just 
press play to his peace for just a little bit. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into what that looks like for us here and now. Um, but I quickly want to address this because we're right at the cusp, if you will, of where some people like to fall off of their resolutions or their growths. We're, we're just at the cusp or what I like to call the slump. The slump right now is so real. Once we get to the tail end of January, right, where it's just like, man, here's the same meal I'm eating for the past three weeks. Here is the same workout I'm doing for the past three weeks. Here's the same things I'm doing. And routine oftentimes gets in the way of radical change. If you're stuck in thinking that it's simply just a routine. Are you with me? Like, if you're thinking that it's like just something you're just going to do over and over and over and over and over again, you can get lost in the fact that it's over and over and over again because um, you're not thinking of the fact that this routine is actually helping you grow and building you into someone better. Once you start getting used to something, right, it starts becoming something less important. And I pray that as we dive into scripture right now, that we see the importance of coming back to God over and over and over again. Because he can handle, he can handle the fact that we come to him over and over and over again. We're in Daniel chapter 3. This is a very common uh, scripture if you were raised in church. Um, this is like, like a super famous um, 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 uh, bedtime story, which on the flip side of things, Pastor Seth, when I looked at this story, it's actually really graphic and barbaric. This story in Daniel chapter 3. Now, you're very familiar with this um, passage of scripture. It is uh, the tale, or not the tale, rather. This is the story of the three Hebrew boys, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they're about to be thrown into a fiery furnace. Very, very common uh, bedtime story in, uh, in, in all of Christendom. If you were a Christian, you probably were told this story as a little child. Um, but the reason why I say it's barbaric is because, I mean, you have three boys who are roughly around, um, a theologian say, roughly around the age of 16 to 18, and they're just thrown into this fiery furnace. Like, if you re like really think about that, that's so crazy. That's absolutely sick, as one person said. Like, the fact that we're throwing boys because they're not doing something that the king has commanded, they're thrown into a fiery furnace, right? Absolutely crazy. Blows my mind when I actually think about what is actually happening in Daniel chapter 3. It's similar to the story of David and Goliath where, you know, when we, when we, when we cookie cutter it for little kids, it's really cute. Yeah, David defeated Goliath, but post David defeating Goliath, my man actually cuts off his head. Like that's an actual part of the story. Um, and so we're not going to cookie cutter anything right here. Now we're simply going to tackle the chapter as it comes. Daniel chapter three, Daniel chapter three, and I'll introduce just three points and we're out of here. Um, Daniel chapter three, go there with me. If you have a Bible, if you have a physical one, you're, you're more likely to be anointed. Um, but if you don't have a physical one, that's okay. That's okay too. Um, you're just a little bit further away from heaven. 
further away. No, just kidding, just kidding. Daniel, I don't even have, I'm using an iPad. I can't, let me not front here. Um, Daniel chapter three, if you're there, go ahead and comment, amen. If you're not there, um, just be like, yo, pastor, I can't find it. Pastor, amen, 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 amen in the chat. Daniel chapter three, if you're there, we're going to skip around a little bit, so follow with me very carefully, follow with me very carefully. Again, um, this is a very familiar text, and oftentimes with very familiar text, we already think we know uh, what God has in store for us or what God has to say for us in a familiar text. Oh, I've heard it all before, Pastor. I've heard it all before. But here's the thing. It's only empty hands that will be able to receive. It's only empty hands that will be able to receive. And so I want you to look at the scripture like you've looked at it for the very first time. Um, I've read this scripture over and over and over again. I grew up in the church myself, and still God is revealing new revelations to me right now in this moment, 28-year-old George to you. I've read this probably a thousand times, and yet God is still saying, listen, I have something new for you in what looks like something that is old. Open your eyes. You can only receive if your hands are empty. We're not even at the sermon yet. This is just the intro. Here we go. Daniel chapter 3. Yes, just super excited. Super excited, Pastor. Here we go. Daniel chapter 3. Amen, amen, everyone there. We're going to read in verse 1 through 3, and then we're going to skip around a little bit. So follow with me very carefully. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible. Um, you can read the version of your choice, but that is the choice I'm landing on this morning. And the word of the Lord says this. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and it was its width 60 cubits. And he set up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So right away, it gives us where we are. We are in Babylon, and there is a king named Nebuchadnezzar. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set. Verse 3, then the satraps, prefects, and the governors, the counselors, all these people and all the rulers of the provinces, skip a little bit, were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Verse 6, but whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. So real quick pause on the scripture. Nebuchadnezzar has now given us a specific command, and that's to worship this image. And if you don't worship this image, then you gonna burn. That's what it says in the scripture. Not making it up, that's what it says in the scripture. Verse number eight. For this reason, at the time certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews, verse nine, they responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. We're coming upon some rats up in here. Verse number 12. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, 
gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Verse 15, now if you are ready at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, and all kinds of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. The king here is giving these three Hebrew boys another chance. But if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. And God, and what God, I love what he asks here. The king says, what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer. Man, such a savage answer right there. Concerning this matter, verse 17, If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, is able to deliver us from the furnace of the blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But this is, this is the part that I need you to stick on right here. Verse 18, if you're following with me. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I mean, this, this scripture could preach all by itself, to be honest with you. But there's more. Um, verse 24 is where we're going to land on. Verse 25, rather. So they're in the flame right now. They're tied up with everything that they have on them. And verse 24 and 25 says this. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded and stood up in haste. He said to his high officials, this is the king, okay? That's speaking right here now. I need you to get this. Was it not three men? Who, cast bound, who we cast bound into the midst of the fire? They replied to the king, certainly, O king. And this is what the king says now in verse 25. Look, I see four men loosed and walking about in the midst of the fire without harm. This is from the king's mouth. Stay with me. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The topic that I'm going to dive into as we journey closer to the end of our January series is the fear of God over the fear of man. The fear of God, not just the brand that Jerry Lorenzo designed, but the actual fear of God, which is to say not we're I'm so scared to go to hell. No, 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 no. Not, not that kind of fear of God, but this reverence, this, we just sang about it. The fact that he is holy, holy, holy. That fear of God can triumph over any fear of man. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I'm so excited for what you have in store for us in this portion of scripture. It can literally just preach all by itself. And yet, God, here you are even still moving right now to reveal to us even more truths about who you are, what you've done, 
and what you have in store for us. And so, God, we ask for your spirit to move in this place for a very specific moment where we can encounter you in the most miraculous way. Be with us now, O oh God, is our prayer in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. I'm just going to give you the first point right off the bat. We're going to start with the ball already rolling. And we've read through scripture now that, again, we find ourselves in Babylon. We find ourselves in the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar has established a certain specific way to which you need to worship. And that's towards his gods and namely this golden image that he has now set up. And these three Hebrew boys or three Hebrew gangsters, Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are like, nah, 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 nah. This is not the God that we serve. We have a fear of God, not a fear of, of you. And so first point that I want to establish right off the bat that we need to understand is this. And I hope you have your notes writing down uh, uh, these specific points. Um, I myself forget a lot of the times what sermons are, what they meant. And so throughout the rest of the week, as I'm listening to a sermon, I'm looking at the notes again to remind me of all the truths that I find in the word of God. And so this is the first point that we're making out of three. I only have three. I only have the cognition to remember three. And so I only give three every single time. And first point that we're getting at here um, with the topic in mind, the fear of God over the fear of man is this. The fear of God speaks towards a confidence in him while the fear of man leads to compromise away from him. Let me say that again. The fear of God speaks towards a confidence in him while the fear of man leads to compromise away from him. What am I talking about? In verse 15, King Nebuchadnezzar says, you sure you're not going to worship to the golden image. This is what he says, pastor. You sure? And the Hebrew boys don't hesitate to answer in verse 16. They're like, they actually don't give him a clear answer other than the fact that they say their God will deliver them regardless. They don't bat an eyelash. They don't give it another thought or, a, uh, or get a second opinion or a third opinion. It's three confident yeses saying they will not bow because they knew what they didn't need to bow down to versus what they did need to bow down to. The image of gold was nothing more than the craft of Man, I need you to get this right now because we're going somewhere, I promise. We do not need to bow down to a craft of man. A craft of man, what we find here is empty. A craft of man, this image that was made of man is powerless. A craft of man is meaningless. It is hollow, shallow. There's nothing super significant about it. A craft of man is obsolete, lacking any movement without any bearing, and it is a waste of your time. A craft of man may be like what they say about me on social media. A craft of man may be like the insecurities in my head. A craft of man 
maybe like the self-doubt, the self-hate, the inferior ideals, a craft of man like a temporary cure to a deeper problem, a craft of man like a quick fix to a long-standing pain. We do not need to bow down to a craft of man. It doesn't need any time of day. It doesn't need a second thought. It doesn't need a third thought. It doesn't need any thought at all because it didn't come from the hands of the creator. It came from hands of flawed creation. We do not need to bow down to a craft of man. We need to bow down to the crafter of man. This is the fear of God that we know who our source is, that we know who our anchor is. Pastor made it clear last week what is anchoring you, and I pray and hope that what's anchoring you isn't a craft of man, but rather the crafter of men. The question that I have for you as we dive into the fear of God over the fear of man is, who is your sustainer? Who are you faithful to? And what's good about God is he is faithful to us even when we have little faith in him. Why compromise our thoughts towards the thoughts of man when we can cultivate a confidence in what he thinks of us? That's what the fear of God is, is knowing that his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. We can find that in Isaiah 55 verse 9. That's what the fear of God is, is knowing that he has a plan for you, a hope for you, and the future, a plan for you to prosper and not to harm you. That's Jeremiah 29 11. That's what the fear of God is, is the renewing, the rewriting, the rebooting of your mind to see what his will for your life is that which is good and pleasing and perfect that's Romans 12 verse 2 this is the fear of God it speaks towards a confidence in him and I'm wondering today what fear are you feeding is it the fear of God or is it the fear of man for what fear you feed more often than not, determines what and who you worship. Stay with me, stay with me, please stay with me. For what fear you feed, remember there are two fears. For what fear you feed, more often than not, determines what and who you worship. It's so easy for us to get caught up in what people say about us, it's so easy to get caught up in the realm of all that's going on around us that we lose sight on what matters most, that we lose sight on that which is holding us, on who it is that is holding us. And I'm wondering what fear are you feeding? Because more often than not, that determines what and who you worship. Verse one, point number one, rather, the fear of God speaks towards a confidence in him, while the fear of man leads to a compromise away from him. And we're already in point number two. 
And uh, point number two is really what I want to stay on a little bit as we dive deeper into this scripture. Point number two says this. The fear of God says, I trust you no matter what. And the fear of man says, let's make a deal. We're in verse 16 and 17 of, of, of the chapter here in, in, in chapter number three of Daniel. And we see the boldness in these three Hebrew boys at what they say to the king. But really, the boldness is found in verse 18. And I want to put emphasis. I told you to put a pin on that when we were reading earlier. Verse 18. Let's go there really quickly. Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. Daniel chapter 3, verse 18. The three Hebrew boys say this. But even if he does not... Let it be known. He does not what? He does not deliver us. Let it be known. These are three Hebrew boys, ages 16 to 18, coming with the boldness to say that even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Point number two, the fear of God says, I'm going to trust you no matter what, whereas the fear of man says, let's make a deal. One is, sol is a solid relationship rooted in love, while the other is a business contract broken when another party doesn't keep its end of the bargain. The Hebrew boys knew what they were getting into and yet stood strong in who they knew based off of who he was and not based off of what he did. Are you following me so far? In other words, there was a relationship built there. There was a bond that wouldn't break, a bond that wouldn't bend, a bond that was already established that was not going to easily be broken both with each other, the three of them together, but most ultimately and most assuredly with God. In other words, there was a fire, Pastor Seth, before the furnace. Oh, stay with me. There was a fire before the furnace. Let me break that down a little bit in um, L.A. terms. LeBron James, we know the great LeBron James. Now, listen. Listen, I think MJ is the GOAT, point blank period. You, you, you want to argue about that? We can do that off the chat, offline. But I really do think MJ is the GOAT. But that doesn't dismiss the, the magnitude of what LeBron James has done within his career. And we know this to be true in how he approaches his offseason. Stay with me. I promise you we're going somewhere. He approaches his offseason with a specific trainer, a specific gym, a specific regimen, and a specific way of, 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 of what he's going to eat. Everything is tailor-made so, so that he is ridiculously and supremely fit going into his season. And we see that every single offseason. We go on to his Instagram, he's doing whatever he possibly can to take care of his body and make sure that he's right with the season. Yes, to win a championship, but more so because he knows that the season is long and the season is hard. And he knows full and well 
that his preparedness before the season will help him when times get hard and times get rough. When he's facing opposition and times get tough and times get rough. What am I trying to say here? The three Hebrew boys were preparing and were uh, in a state of discipline to a specific trainer, God the Father. And they had a specific regimen of what to eat, which we find in chapter one, where they didn't eat all the king's food, they had requested their own food. They knew what was physiologically better for them so that they could cognitively think through what it is that they were going to embark on, the season that they were going to take on. They realized that their preparedness in the Father was going to help them grind through some of these hard moments where they knew in hard times, I can depend on my faith in the Father. The fire started way before the furnace. They knew full and well who their father was, not based off of the things that he did, but simply based off of who he was. He was a deliverer, he was a promise keeper, he was a way maker. I need you to understand this full and well, that they did the grind and all of that. They did what they had to do to remain faithful to God even before these hard times so that when these hard times came, they could declare, even if he does not, we, will not bow down. Their faith wasn't based on what God could or couldn't do. Stay with me. Their faith was in who God said he was. Nothing would replace God who God would be in their life. Not any other God was like theirs. So what did they need to bother replacing him for? What God does, he only does to get you to recognize who he is. What he does only points to who he already is. And the Hebrew boys knew who he was. He was love. And it's their relationship with him, their fear of him, that was the basis to the thing that God was going to do for them. The frame of man or the fear of man, however, would lead you to make a deal while the fear of God will lead you to form a relationship. In the fear of man, in the fear of this world, this is to say if we took man at their word, if we took the world at their word instead of God, if we counted on what the world would say versus what the grace of God had to say, the fear of man would say, I need to know what you can offer me. What can you give me? We find Nebuchadnezzar here trying to strike a deal with the Hebrew boys for their worship. Just, I'm going to just give you one more chance. Just one more chance. Listen, you bow down to my image and it will be all very good for you. All you have to do is just bow down and we'll call it a day. Everything will go back to the way it was. Listen, you made your point. You made your stand. It was cute. But just bow down to my image right now because if you don't, doesn't that kind of sound familiar? I think it does sound familiar. Uh, it sounds perhaps like Satan in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11. Listen, Jesus, Jesus, my guy, 
I'm going to give you just one more chance, Jesus. You bow down to me. Everything is yours. You bow down to me. All this I will give you, Satan says, as he tries to tempt Jesus. If, 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 if you worship me. If, 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 if Satan stays trying to make a deal. He stays trying to tempt you to fall into his hands because he knows, even has seen through the course of your life, what you can do towards the kingdom of darkness. He knows what kind of damage you can do towards his kingdom here on earth. He knows how you've talked to your friends about this God guy. He knows you'd be dangerous to his reign, that you could undermine him, that your stand is already undermining him, that your faith is already undermining him. The fact that you're here right now in church is already undermining Satan. And so Satan tries to strike a deal with you to get you off course, to get you to comply to his conditional downgrade to take you out of your purpose, to take you out and away from your faith. He knows, Satan knows just how powerful you are towards the kingdom of heaven. You are so, so incredibly important and he knows this. He already sees your potential probably even before you can see it yourself. So he tries to stop you in your tracks, but I thank God that our belief in him is more powerful than anything Satan can throw our way. That our God is greater, that our God is stronger, that our God is higher than any other, that our God is healer, he is awesome in power, and he knows how to put Satan in his right place. You're trying to take my son? Oh no, I don't think so. Your deals can never compare to my unconditional love for my children. And my children know who their father is and they will serve him only. Nothing else will do. Nothing else compares. Why is it that the fear of God triumphs over the fear of man? It's because one is a solid relationship rooted in love that casts out all fear, 1 John 4, 18. It's perfect love, the love of Jesus that casts out all fear. And the devil knows this. That's what he's trying to draw us away from. So he tries to make a deal, but in reality, because you took that initial stand in the fear of God, He is already defeated. Satan is already defeated. And keyboardists, you can come on up to put a little sprinkle, sprinkle as we land the plane here in just a second. Um, But I want you, church family, to just stay with me as we go to our last point. Um, But right before that, I need you to recognize this. It was perfect love perfect love that the Hebrew boys were standing on because they said no matter what, nothing can replace or even come close to who he was and how he loves me. It was a relationship that they stood on, not a deal. The fear of God triumphs over the fear of man because one is a relationship 
while the other is a deal. One is the basis of life and a basis of life in freedom, while the other is the basis for a life of slavery. One says, let's live together, while the other one says, I'm going to make you live under my rule. One says, let's love together, while the other says, I'm going to make you love me. This is what living in the fear of God looks like versus living in the fear of man. That's why the boys could confidently say that no matter what, I'm going to trust him. His heart for me, his love for me is irreplaceable and unconditional, while the enemy tries to make what is conditional attractive point number two the fear of God says I trust you no matter what while the fear of man says let's make a deal and then you know the rest of the story God proves it God proves who he said he is he does what he says he will do and nothing less because he is who he says he is and nothing less it's as simple as that point number three last point before we close living in the fear of god will always 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 lead to another in the fire man can try to burn you but god knows how to hold you the flames might be hot, but God knows how to protect you. Life can get overwhelming, situations can seem impossible, circumstance might seem insurmountable, obstacles might seem too big, walls might seem to be caving in, the air might be getting harder to breathe, thoughts might be weighing you down, insecurities might be burning you up, but there is another in the fire standing right next to you he is the son of god there is another in the fire standing right next to you who knows you better than you know you there's another in the fire standing right next to you because he needs you to know you are not alone there is another in the fire standing right next to you who will give you peace even when you're in it there's another in the fire and his name is jesus and he's standing right next to you God's faithfulness and guidance wasn't just proved here in the furnace. His faithfulness and guidance we can actually find in Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. The Hebrew boys had already seen how God would work, how God would move, because he hadn't failed them in their stand in chapter 1 and he wouldn't fail them again in their stand in chapter 3. They saw him do it again, for he never fails. He does what he says he does. He is who he says he is. And his purpose
perfect love, His perfect love casts out all fear. Point number three, so simple. Living in the fear of God will always, always, always lead to another in the fire. The fear of God triumphs over the fear of man every single time. Every single time.